Hi, my name is Jeff Watcott. I'm Chief Marketing Officer at Brightcove. Today we're going to talk a little bit about personas as practiced at Brightcove. So in our campaign planning framework, we start with our customer segments. So that's the types of organizations that we are targeting because we're a B2B uh, marketing organization. We need to think in terms of what type of companies uh, or what we call firmographics do we want to reach. We have primarily two segments, which we'll talk about later digital media companies and several sub-segments within that, and then digital marketing organizations across several different industries. And we'll talk more about those in detail, but that really starts the process for us is who are we segmenting um, and where are we going to be selling. But then we come directly to personas, which is who in those organizations is going to be making the decisions about investigating, buying, and then actually using our products. And that's where personas come in. There's several different subcategories there. Um, there's what we call the decision-making unit, uh, which is people who actually are involved in the purchase purchasing decision. But there may be people who are involved early stage in terms of investigating options, but don't actually have any decision-making authority. And then there are people who are actual users of the product after you um, have, have after it's been purchased, and they have a lot to say about. Um, how the product is uh, is uh, used over time and whether the organization remains satisfied and whether they get the benefit out of it. So those personas are really important and there's a lot of depth there and we'll go into some examples of what we use. But who are we selling to is a really important question and then that comes in the context of what type of organization are they in or the segments. And then we go to, for each of those personas, what are the problems that are on their mind? Not just specifically related to our products, but just generally what are the things that keep them up at night? What are their priorities? What are the, what's really important to them? How are they measured for success? How do they get a promotion? What are the things that um, make a difference for them or would make a difference for them? And we try to articulate and understand that. And then we go from there to the messages. So what could we say to them that would help them understand our value proposition as it relates to solving those problems. And you can see how we're getting some complexity here because if you've got multiple segments and multiple personas and then multiple types of problems that each of those personas might have, then you're going to have a lot of different messages that you need to say. And what you say to a chief marketing officer may be different than what you talk to a web developer in the marketing organization about. And so those value proposition statements and messages become quite diverse, but it's important to get those right. And then from there, you capture those messages in content. And that can be um, ideas or thought leadership um, trends and, and uh, kind of new concepts and frameworks that you introduce. It can be commentary on industry trends, or it can be new data that you introduced into the marketplace through um, uh, you know, research reports and surveys and um, uh, aggregated data analysis and other things. So there's a lot of different ways that you can um, capture the messages in content. Um, you can be very creative there, but ultimately your messages do need to be expressed in content. And then you need to have programs that take that content to those personas and target them either through advertising or through inbound marketing mechanisms like blogging or through conventional PR. There's a multitude of different ways that you can do that. Ultimately, it comes down to building awareness in your personas for your segments. Um, and uh, generating leads from them, and then ultimately nurturing those leads through the process. And you need content across each of those. And then you have the systems and, and, uh, and, pro and processes that you use to actually manage leads and get them in the right hands, and then model how your effectiveness is going. So that's our campaign planning framework that we use at Brightcove. And you can see that segments um, and personas are where it all starts. And you have to get those right in order to be able to 
execute this campaign plan. So in uh, 2013, we had four different campaigns that we were running simultaneously. So you think about all those different aspects of a campaign that we just talked about. We had four of those across digital media, digital marketing, web developers, and what we called our Video Cloud Volume Campaign, which is a low-end, uh, small-medium business-focused campaign uh, for people who were purchasing an uh, online video platform. But ultimately, for all the reasons that we just explained, we concluded going into 2014 that that was too much complexity, that we needed to actually simplify what we were doing because it, having four campaigns going simultaneously into you know, the, the specific segments and then the personas within those created a requirement for too much content, too many messages, too many diversity, too much diversity in the programs that we had to deliver and just was really hard to execute on. And so we've, for this year, uh, honed down to two specific campaigns, digital media solutions for the television. So we, we, we really narrowed down one of the segments and then digital marketing customers who are capable of paying $10,000 plus per year. And this is how we're actually refining the segments for 2014. And again, the reason we did that is because you get a lot of complexity when you have lots of personas and messages flying around. Um, as a marketing organization, it can get very hard to execute well. And that's something to think about very carefully as you think about personas in this topic is how many can we actually afford to go after? Because you can't do everything for everybody. And that ultimately is, is true for marketing, but it's also true for your actual product development as well. So this is an example of some of the customers that we have in these segments today. And you can see that we have you know, many different types of organizations and some many great brands. And ultimately what we found is that both of these, um, these segments, the media customers as well as the marketing customers, are going through massive disruption in their industry. And we found as we talk to the, the segments and talk to the different personas in the segments, um, this notion of disruption is something that, that they really connect with and it's something that's on their mind. They feel things changing around them. They can feel uh, you know, a lot of, uh, of, uh, of how they accomplish things uh, you know, really being changed in fundamental ways. And so our messaging to the personas ultimately starts with a disruption message. And I think that is something that's important to understand as you consider personas is what is the macro industry context that's going on? In our case, we happen to have narrowed in on a, a disruption story. It could be something different for the personas that you're going after, but we found some commonality there, which I thought was interesting. So let's throw, dive into one of our segments, uh, digital media, and particularly for the television industry within digital media, because you have, you know, uh, new media websites, you've got newspapers, you've got sports organizations. Um, we've ultimately settled in on television as a really key segment. And within that uh, segment, uh, we have a couple of personas that we've identified as really important to us. First is Pablo, who is often the chief digital officer or the EVP or SVP of digital or the general manager of digital. These are different titles that uh, they might have. There are actually other titles. This is just a sampling of them. But we've narrowed in on you know who what what role this is. Ultimately, this is the person who owns the digital P and L and the advertising sponsorship and monetization uh, business. So this is the business owner in a digital media organization, and they're figuring out how they can make money from their content. And this is not necessarily a technical person; they're a business person. So that's Pablo. And then there's Sam, who is a senior technologist who owns the technology and infrastructure that 
uh, Pablo is going to use to monetize their content. And this could be a variety of different titles, but there's this technologist person who um, is supporting Pablo in the strategy, and he's ultimately responsible for selecting technologies that get used uh, in that process, and that's a very important decision maker for us. And so we have these two personas, and we have found that in our sales process, we need to be speaking to both of these people. We would preferably like to be speaking with Pablo first about business value, and then ultimately be able to speak to Sam about how we're going to make life easy for him to deliver the business value that Pablo is seeking. And so that's how we think about our digital TV uh, or digital media uh, TV segment uh, personas. If we go to digital marketing, which is another general segment that we serve, um, here it's people that are using video content to drive business objectives that are not related to specifically monetizing content, but more using content to drive sales of products and services. So um, in this case, we're again focusing in on organizations that can spend $10,000 or more annually. So that immediately wipes out a lot of smaller organizations that have very limited web budgets and it becomes quickly organizations that are investing in video content as a strategic content asset. And in the digital marketing uh, area, we have two personas. We have Belinda, who is the VP or Senior Director of Digital Marketing, and then Hans, who is a digital marketing manager who works for her a little bit lower down in the, in the food chain, but who is specifically charged with administering and selecting the systems that uh, Belinda's team uses to drive their digital marketing strategy. So Belinda is the kind of uh, business owner. She usually works for the CMO, and she's charged with driving a digital strategy, a digital marketing strategy that is usually centered around content marketing. And she's recognized that video is a key part of that. And so she's investing in video production and getting more video content out there. And then Hans is the person who's actually got his hands on the systems from a day-to-day -day basis to actually send out the emails, set up the landing pages, um, actually construct the, the, the content that goes in the website, um, getting blog content out there. He's a, a traffic manager for that on a day-to-day -day basis, and he's ultimately using a lot of the technology stack systems that are necessary to achieve what Belinda's trying to do. So similar to digital media, we've got kind of a, a business owner at a relatively senior level, and then we've got a, a, a technical or quasi-technical uh, business owner. In the media case, it's a very technical um, CTO or, um, or senior technical leader. In Hans's case, he's not necessarily uh, highly technical. He may be using a bunch of software as a service systems and cobbling those together without um, doing a lot of hardcore engineering, but he's responsible for actually executing on a tactical basis the strategy that Belinda comes up with. So those are two people that are very important um, in the selection process for solutions like ours, and they ultimately both need to be sold and be happy with what we're doing. We often find that we want to talk to Belinda first and speak to a business value message and then convince Hans that we're the right tool for the job. We also have found though that we can talk to Hans and say, hey, we've got some really great tooling and have that start. And then we can help Hans make the business case to Belinda for why he should be investing in a new type of system like an online video platform that we offer. So that's how we think about personas for the digital marketing 10K plus segment. And interestingly, we've been able to look at our leads that we've had in, in last year and try to figure out using um, title analysis and using 
um, other aspects of the the segment or the profiles for the people who come in, we'll be able to establish that about 38% of the leads that came in last year were Belinda's, about 34% were Hans's, and about 28% it was hard to tell based on the information that we have. And we've actually improved our systems over the last few months, and so now we're able to to reduce the number of those unknowns, and we're getting able, being able to really profile the leads that come in much more uh, specifically. And um, it's nice to see that we actually are getting the audience that we want to get, and we're speaking to them in language that's attracting them, and then hopefully we can move them down the funnel. But that you can actually quantify um, to what degree you're actually attracting the audience that you want to attract. And in our case, it looks like we're doing a pretty good job of getting the right kind of people looking at our solution. So let's talk about some ways that you can have fun with personas. So once you've identified your personas, it really steers a lot of other aspects of your business. Um, first of all, uh, when you're talking about inbound marketing or what we call content marketing or lead nurturing, where you're using content as a way of uh, moving people th or attracting people to the funnel and then moving them through the funnel, um, you actually need to have a fair amount of content, but that content needs to be very specific to the personas that you have um, for the segments and also to the stage of the life cycle that people are at. That ends up creating a lot of content. And so as you think about which um, personas or how many personas you actually want to execute on, you got to keep this in mind because there's a multiplication factor that occurs for the amount of content that you have to be creating. And as again, I mentioned before, we simplified our number of campaigns and tried to be very um, careful with the number of personas that we tried to actually execute on as a marketing team for this very reason, because it gets pretty expensive. So if you have two segments and two personas, that's four audience groups that you need to have unique messages for. And if you're going to be producing content on a daily basis, say blog posts for awareness, then that means you got to have 20 new content deliverables per month across your four audiences. That's 80 deliverables a month for awareness. And so if you have a top of the funnel team, that's the level of staffing you're going to need and, and uh, be, to be able to, to really deliver daily fresh content for driving awareness to your audiences. So that's quite a bit of content. Um, and then for consideration stage, if you need to have a couple of new fresh deliverables every month, time for audiences, that's eight deliverables. And these tend to be deeper evaluation guides. They're may so there's maybe fewer of them, but they're a little bit harder to produce than a little, you know, snappy blog post about, um, you know, some um, industry commentary. These are actually more detailed documents that take a little bit more effort to do. And so even though there's only eight of them, there's still some significant resources to produce them. And then you go to the purchase stage. If you want to actually have thing, uh, you know, documents and deliverables that help people make the detailed purchase decision, this could be, you know, your security um, document that shows that you pass all the security requirements or other other sales tools like that. If you need to produce four of those a month, so one per month, uh, and then the loyalty stage, you need four per month. Ultimately, that's 96 new content deliverables of varying complexity, and you can see quickly that. In a world where you've got four per, uh, um, personas that you're trying to hit, um, this is how much content you have to produce. If you had eight, it would be double that. And so you really need to think carefully about how many segments and how many personas you're going to be executing on simultaneously. 
So that's important. And then the other point is um, programmatic segmentation and persona identification. We talked about this just a minute ago, which is that you can use data enrichment and cleansing tools to get clean and complete data on the leads that come in. So if you get a lead from somebody and all you did was get their email address and the company they work for, you can use enrichment tools to then go find out actually who is this, um, what is their title, um, where do they sit in the organization, and then you can use that titled information to approximate what type or, or estimate what type of uh, persona they might fit into. And as you saw in the, in the page before, we uh, have been able to use these kind of tools to enrich the data and then um, heuristically figure out what persona people are in, and then based on that, we can actually um, classify leads and their buying stage and then go and actually have our nurturing programs be specific to the persona. So if I think someone's a Belinda, I should be talking to her about business value, not about the technology because she doesn't really have an interest in the technology or ability to understand it. And so I should be talking to her about different things than I talk to Hans about. Well, when I'm sending out automated response emails to my leads, I need to know who they are from a persona perspective in order to select which content program to put them in so they're getting the right messages from me with the right content at the right time. And so personas ultimately drive all of that and your marketing automation team needs to be using these kind of methods in order to make your nurture programs more effective. So you can see how the personas and the segments become pervasive across the really granular day-to-day -day content production and delivery. And then there's some interesting things you can do around programmatic retargeting, where you can set cookies in your site for visitors based on segment-specific content consumption. So if you have a section of your site that's specific to digital media, as we do, or digital marketing, uh, or whatever segments you're serving, uh, and then you have within that technical information and business information, perhaps you could set cookies um, based on who is viewing that content and say, hmm, Based on your behavior, it looks to me like, even though I don't know who you are, you look like you're behaving like a Hans. And so I'm going to cookie you as a Hans, and then when you go to other sites on the website, or, or other sites on the web, generally, I can show you banner ads and, and text ads that speak directly to the concerns of a Hans. And that can help build your brand awareness, but also help move people down the funnel by using the retargeting or remarketing methods. So there's a lot of sophistication that you know an agency can help you with here, but ultimately that's going to be more effective um, uh, if you have ability to define your personas, and that can really drive some powerful remarketing and retargeting efforts as opposed to just doing generic brand lift uh, advertising uh, on a generic way across all your visitors. So segmenting and personifying your visitors can be really, really powerful. So those are just a few more, I guess, a little bit advanced ways to use personas. I think uh, ultimately we all know that personas are very, very powerful, and I hope that the ways that we're using them at Brightcove has been somewhat enlightening to you, and hopefully that's useful to you. Um, and I look forward to uh, hearing what you have to say about it. Thanks so much.